Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another installment of Believe in the Rockets only on the Believe Podcast Network. And as always, I'm your host, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And you guys already know who my co-host is. Go ahead and tell them. Uh, as you know, for those of y'all who are listening, I'm holding up a, a self-proclaimed trophy as the best person in the world. So oh, my know, I just want to make sure that Cody M. Davis seen this. You see that? Yeah, I, I see it. I see it. <laughs> remember that? Remember that when I asked you for twenty dollars? Hey, what's going on, y'all? Big Sarge here. What's up, Cody? It's been a minute. Yes, sir. It's been a minute, but of course, everybody knows why we are here. We are here to discuss. The Houston Rockets 2023 NBA draft. As everyone knows, it took place on Thursday. And Houston Rockets surprisingly only came away with two picks, which was Armin Thompson at number four and Cam Whitmore at number 20. So on this latest installment of Believe in the Rockets to close out the show, we're going to discuss whether or not some of these moves are going to hinder the Houston Rockets free agency plan. And then the second segment, we're actually going to dive into whether or not Cam Whitmore was a steal for the Rockets. He was a projected top 10 pick and fell all the way to 20. But of course, we're going to get this started with the top selection of Amen Thompson. Sarge, I'm going to let you go first, but Amen Thompson, overtime elite prospect. He is considered arguably the second best guard in this year's class, only behind Scoot Henderson. Um, how do you feel about this? So uh, <laughs> leading up to the draft, Cody, I was looking at some of the metrics on these players that are in the draft. And if you just go by the metrics and you look at outside of, you know, Victor Wimbiamba, Brandon Miller, and Scoot Henderson, you mm -hmm. see that um, right there is Ahmed Thompson and his brother Asur, if I hope I pronounced that correctly. But they were right there. And so I'm looking and I'm saying to myself, and we've had this discussion you know, off, off mic, Cody, but I want to bring our discussion here. This is a this was a very bad draft for the Houston Rockets because what mm -hmm. they actually need, the draft did not have it. They needed a shooter. You sure about that? They needed a shooter. I could name several, but go ahead. Uh, no, well, oh, hold on. You can stop me right now. Who? <laughs> no, no, no. I was just saying I can name several shooters that they could have used, but I'll let in you this go. draft. Yeah, but I'll let you go. Proceed, please. Oh, you can't just say, oh, no, there were some shooters in here and then not name them. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, uh, I, I definitely want you to uh, remember that, you know, because I'm the old one and I be forgetting things. <laughs> you know how our, our discussions be. I will call you mm -hmm. and like two hours later be like, man, I knew what I had to tell you. So make sure you write that down and remember that. But this was a bad draft to me, in my opinion, for the Houston Rockets to look for shooters. And so when you look at Amen Thompson, 
I feel like the Rockets, did they really need another athletic guard who is not a good jump shooter? Mm-hmm. who is not a good three-point shooter. And I know that they say over time that, you know, you can work with Ahmed Thompson and get his jump shot together. And, you know, rightfully so. I've seen a vast improvement on Jalen Green's jump shot from year one to year two. And now coming into year three, we should see him get a whole lot better. But if you look at both of them, their shooting forms were uh, are the same to me, especially as rookies. Their, their shooting forms was the same because – when Jalen first got there, he had a low shooting release, same way our man has a low shooting release. And I thought, I wondered how that would translate over into the NBA. And like I said, once John Lucas was able to work with Jalen and help him with this shot, he got a whole lot better, especially towards the end of his rookie year. And then mm-hmm. he struggled a little bit in his second year, but his jump shot was a whole lot better than it was from the first year. So I'm hoping that if John Lucas will be if John Lucas is retained in some aspect of that, you know, working with the team with this new coaching staff with Emil Doka and his coaching staff. If he's able to still work in player development, he can help Ahmed Thompson. And if so, then they would have one of the best, you know, one of the best picks in the draft. It's just so many unknown and unknown variables. And I know what you're going to say. So I won't step on your toes about the overtime elite competition. So I won't say anything about that, but I think that, I think that Amin Thompson was a safe pick for the Rockets. Hmm. I think I, I wouldn't even necessarily even call that a safe pick. Um, no disrespect to Amin. I've watched this tape and talked to a couple of people just like you have did my study and everything. And I'm not going to lie. This young man has a lot of talent. There's a lot of potential there. And I would say, you know, even though coach email Doka is still, you know, shaping up his coaching staff, um, it's the, it's, it still seems like John Lucas could still be a part of this organization. Uh, he might take that role as a, I believe he was some kind of special advisor during the Mike D'Antoni years and the Kevin McHale years. And there was so many young players who credited their development towards him. And I'm pretty sure the Houston Rockets are definitely going to keep him around. Um, and, and I say all that just to say, as long as John Lucas is around, then I know Amin Thompson is going to put a lot of work in the gym with John Lucas to get better. Um, along with Email Doka's coaching staff as well, um, our guy Kelly Eagle, another part of PCB. We um, ain't got it. <laughs> he reported that, you know, there's a lot of Email Doka's coaching staff. Um, his, his staff is dedicated to specialties. I can't rem- I can't remember what assistant coach it is, but one of those assistant coaches um, is – his specialty is helping players improve their shooting. So knowing, knowing what I know about this young man's work ethic, the talent, the potential, everything is there. And I do agree with you, Sarge, that Amen has the potential to be one of the best draft picks in this year class. I think his brother said it best. You know, there were so many people thought that the 2023 draft class was just a three-man draft class. 
And of course, you're looking at Victor Wimbiama, Brandon Miller, and Scoop Henderson. But in terms of the Thompson twins, in terms of Walker from U of H, in terms of Cam Whitmore, who we're going to get into later on, Jet Howard, there were so many guys that I said, you know what, this draft has a lot of potential, but it's still going to take time and, and take time and develop for a lot of these guys. However, I would have preferred if the Houston Rockets would have traded down and focus on filling out their roster in terms of what they actually needed. And I only say that because going into this draft, they definitely needed shooters and they definitely needed help in their front court. And when you look at Amin Thompson, I just feel like he's just another version of Jalen Green. When you look at Amin Thompson, you already hit the nail on the coffin. He is just another athletic guard who, you know, I'm not going to say can't shoot, but yeah. he, he his shooting is not up to par to an NBA level. Let me just say that. He and struggles, man. Just say he struggles. Yeah, he, he, he struggles with shooting. And I, it's like when I compared him to Jalen Green, I kept saying they are basically the same player. The only difference is – one like to shoot the ball more, a little bit more than the other. And the other one, and of course, this is Amin Thompson, likes to facilitate and pass and get his teammates more involved, unlike Jalen Green. But I just would have preferred if they would have traded down and got somebody that could help them in the front court. I was actually much bigger on his brother, Asar Thompson, because he was the better shooter, and he was actually the better defender as well. And yeah. when you take a look at what the Houston Rockets had to work with last year, you look at who they got as their head coach. I'm looking at this from a standpoint, not only did they need shooters, but they also needed players that can help them on the defensive end. So the next issue I have is overtime elite. I'm not going to lie. I don't know anything about overtime Malik, And I think this draft, this selection of Amin might have been a little bit more of a gamble because of the competition that he was playing with. I understand it. Everybody in 2023 has their own path on how to get to the NBA. It's no longer just college four years and you don't like it was 40 years ago. Um, it's, you know, you go to college one and done two years and you're out. You can go overseas. You can go to the G league. Like, I just wonder the one thing that scares me is the competition that he was going up against and overtime, a league, a league that is dedicated to players between the age of 16 to 21. I wonder whether or not we're going to see him struggle more in the NBA versus the last couple of seasons where you saw uh, Jabari Smith Jr. and Jalen Green. Yes, both of those guys ended off their rookie season phenomenal, especially Jalen Green, but they were still coming from basketball levels where the competition was better. I, I just feel like there's a lot at stake with the selection of Amin Thompson when I compare it to Smith and Green. Now, I will say this. You know, like I said, I, he struggled with shooting when he was at overtime elite, and I wish that they would have helped him develop his shot a little bit more. And like you said, his mm -hmm. brother seems like he is a little bit more polished than he is as mm -hmm. far as, especially as far as shooting is concerned. If, even yeah. if I, I seen a, um, a video of them working out in New York, and you could tell the difference between the two of them, especially the shot as far as the trajectory and as far as where they placed the ball before they released it. But I will say this, though, Cody, I, uh, you know, this competition thing, right? 
I got a problem, you know, when when you say about the overtime elite competition, and of course they could have went to the G League. They could have. Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, I do want to make this statement. I did not watch an overtime elite game, but I did watch several of Jalen Green's game in the G League when he was with the Knight because that was the same year of the bubble and Kevin Porter Jr. was there. So I'm just saying I I, I know what the G League and Knight can present. Um, but I just don't really know about this overtime elite. But go but ahead. But if you're talented, Cody, you're talented. If, you, if you can play, you can play. The cream rises to the top every time. And now let me preface my statement by saying this. I'm not saying he's going to be the guy that's on my wall behind me. I'm not the guy saying that's on my wall right there, right there, and right there. <laughs> not saying he's going to be. Uh, the late, great Kobe Bryant. I'm not saying that. I'm only saying this to use it, use it as an example is when Kobe was in high school, Kobe did not play against strong competition either. But that didn't stop him from being drafted into the NBA and that did not stop him from becoming who he became. Even at that, even at that time, you could see what Kobe was going to be. Even though Dale Harris didn't want to play him, when he got to the Lakers, you still knew what he was going to be just looking at him saying, yo, this kid is going to be special. And I'm, and I call him a kid because I'm talking about his high school years. But if you go back and you look at some of these highlights, like the opponents were standing around watching Kobe, like, Hey, Kobe, Ooh, can you do that dunk where you do the reverse <laughs> and then dunk it? No, I'm going to move because you know, well, I'm going to stand close enough so I could be in your highlight video, but I'm going to go ahead and let you dunk it. He didn't play it against any, strong competition when he was at lower marion you look at zion i don't know if you've seen the clips of him when he was in high oh, school you, show, you, show you want to mention his name right now i do want to mention <laughs> zion you still getting tatted on your face <laughs> <laughs> right right and, and you know as long as i don't tweet at him the pelicans or the nba but oh, you know man. you go back and you look at some of that competition that zion played against in high school and you're saying to yourself wow okay i can give you another example closer to home when Gerald Green was playing uh, over at, at the charter school, he was playing at. It wasn't no competition. DeAndre Jordan, uh, uh, yeah, DeAndre Jordan, when he was playing at the Baptist school out there off of 59, if I'm not mistaken, 59 South. And I'm, I'm sorry, you all, because there's going to be more people that's going to listen to this that lives outside of Houston. I'm talking about a freeway in Houston. But when he was playing at his school, like there wasn't any competition either. But I'm talking about these guys who got into the NBA, made a name for themselves because they were talented. So that part doesn't bother me as much as <sighs> Cody. I got to do it. I, I got to do it, Cody. But wait, hear me out. So I don't understand if you're so vested in Kevin Porter Jr., why would you go out and draft another point guard? If if you if you have made this young man change his game the last two and a half years, you made him change his game from playing, you know, small forward, sometimes shooting guard to the point guard position, and then you go out and you draft a point guard. It confuses me. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not afraid to say it. It confuses me because now I need to know, okay, so what y'all going to do? Once free agency starts, then what? And I know we're going to talk about that a little bit later on, but what are you going to do? Because if I'm looking at Ahmed Thompson 
And I'm looking at Kevin Porter Jr. And I'm saying to myself, well, you know me. I'm going to take Kevin Porter Jr. because I've watched this young man go from here to here and put in the work to become what he is now. And he's, you know, he, he's improved his game every year, especially learning a brand new position. But then you go out because, if I'm not mistaken, what position is Armin Thompson play? Playing guard. So what are the Rockets going to do? That's going to be the interesting thing to me. So, yes, I like Armin Thompson. Uh as far as his athleticism is concerned, as far as his talent is concerned, I'm just saying, like, was he a good fit? You know me. I wanted the Houston Rockets to select um, uh, Jairus Walker out of the University of Houston. But it almost – I feel like I'm going to be honest with you. It's almost like they they could have went Cam Whitmore at the at four. And like I said, I know we're going to talk about that. Or they could have traded back like you said in that. Because there were some players that I felt like – they could have traded back if they could have and got like mm-hmm. I like I like Kobe Buffin out of Michigan. Mm-hmm. So yeah, combo guard. So and, and and I'm glad that you mentioned that part about Kevin Porter Jr. because this Almond pick, I'm I, that's that's another reason why I'm conflicted. And it's not just because you know I, I've loved watching the development of Kevin Porter Jr. and I and I'm 100 behind him. The day that he stood there, our last media availability. Um, of the season to after a practice when he stood there and said, I am the point guard of the Houston Rockets. Yes. I, I, I will 100% sign off on that. And I know some people might not want to do that. And I know people are going to be like, well, he's not a pass first point guard, blah, 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 blah. Side note, one of my articles, one of my favorite articles, by the way, talked to coach Steven Silas and I asked him, how do you measure Kevin Porter Jr. as a point guard? And he even talked about the same thing that I had in my head. You don't measure a point guard in 2023 like you did 20, 20 years ago with the Jason Keys and the John Stocktons. No, you measure them by the Kyrie Irvins and the Damian Litter and all of those guys. Yes, they could go out there on any given night and rack, rack up 10 to 15 to 20 assists if they wanted to, but at the same time, they're going to score. And Kevin Porter Jr. embodies what a point guard in 2023 is. A lot of people were so hell-bent on um, Scoot Henderson, but he is a point guard in 2023. Yes, he can go out there and give you 10 and 10 and 15 and, and 20 assists, but at the same time, he's still going to go out there and get his, i.e., like the scoop that we already have here in the city of Houston. That's another and reason Cody, why. He's six, six. And he's 6'6". Six, six. And he's 6'6". you drafted a 6'7". <laughs> exactly. So that, that's why when it comes to Amen, I'm conflicted because of the whole Kevin Porter Jr. point guard thing. I'm like, so when you look at this potential starting lineup, which I don't think he's going to start day one, are you going to put him at a three? Then I feel like that's the, that's going to lower the starting lineup potential even more because now you're going to put an unproven, uh, undersized guard at the three. Then it's like, okay, so now you're going to run a three-guard lineup when – Alper and Shagun still need the ball because if we keep it in the butt, he is arguably, if not your best, your second best facilitator. Like, yes. I just don't understand the notion of having Amen Thompson for the Rockets as of right now. I do want to piggyback off of something you said, um, but then we're going to move on to Cam Whitmore um, about the whole competition thing. You made a lot of great points, especially with the Kobe Bryant thing. But Kobe Bryant wasn't the number four pick. He was barely a lottery pick. He was picked at number 13. Um, I can't remember where DeAndre Jordan and um, Gerald Green was picked. 
but they wasn't the number four pick. I just feel like there was too much at stake for the Rockets to draft a guy who is you already got two, two, two of your primary guards are similar to what you just drafted. And there's just too much at stake at number four when I felt like you could have addressed other needs that you needed on your team versus getting a guy that's already that's 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 literally 2.0 what you already got to continue here with this latest installment of believe in the rockets we talked a lot about Amin thompson had different of opinions but it's crazy see that's the thing about me and sarge we would debate something he would have his opinion i would have my opinion we would go all the way around the world hollering and screaming only to say but i agree with you at the end of the day yes <laughs> you know what and that's how healthy debates should be like a real debate is two people being able to say hey man look i respect your opinion i just disagree with it, that's mm -hmm. it. and then you should be able to be like all right so i mean let's go back to talking about how many samples of michael uh, how many uh Mike, how much of michael jackson music did kanye west actually say <laughs> It's crazy because, like, for the like for everyone's out there listening, me and Sarge both agreed that the Rockets could have gotten something better with number four, traded down, traded up, or whatever the case might be. But it was the opinions yes. <laughs> that got us into a debate. But I don't think we're gonna have that same issue with the Rockets next pick. Once again, surprisingly, their only day, their last pick of the draft, there was no wheeling and dealing. Raphael Stone said after the draft on Thursday that of course he was working the phones. Mm -hmm. Of course he was looking for trades, but he decided not to and just sit back and wait because the guy he wanted, Cam Whitmore, was falling down the draft ladder. Yes. He was a projected top 10 pick. Some some mock drafts had him going as high as number four to the Houston Rockets. I was one of those people who would have signed off on that happily, but he fell all the way to 20. Sarge, what are your thoughts about Cam falling to 20 with the Houston Rockets? No, uh-uh, no, we're not doing this one, Cody. We, we're not doing this one. I went first last time. Cody Davis, mm -hmm. how do you feel about the Houston Rockets being able to have the opportunity to draft Cam Whitmore, a potential top 10 pick who some had, some <laughs> draft analysts had, as high as number four, including the beat writer for Sports Illustrated in Houston? Mm, I love it. I think this was one of their best drafts in the last three years in terms of that selection. And I said that because in the first segment, I was conflicted on how to feel about the whole Amin Thompson selection. Um, I say he's your prototype. He's similar to what you already have in Kevin Porter Jr. and, and, and Jalen Green. There's a lot of un, 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 uh, there was a lot of uncertainties and everything else in between. But my biggest issue was the fact that I felt like you just went best player available. Cam was best fit. The Rockets need a lot. And one of the biggest things that they need is an off-ball wing player who can run in transition because even though the Houston Rockets said they wanted to run last year, I believe they ranked 16th in pace, which is middle of the pack, which is not very good for a team that's supposed to be so athletic and so dynamic in transition. Um, we can jump. <laughs> yeah, we, we can jump. But it was kind of slow. I wanted to see the Houston Rockets improve in that, and I think they will with Cam. 
Most importantly, especially now with your new head coach and email Doka, defense. Because let's be real, outside of Jabari Smith Jr. and Tari Eason, and I guess you could throw Jay Sean Tate in there to a certain extent, the Houston Rockets really do not have any type of defenders. Um, Kevin Porter Jr. has improved the same as Jalen Green, and I think both of those guys will take a, a, a humongous step under Coach Email Doka on the defensive side of the ball. But at the end of the day, in order for this team to really say we are ready to move forward with phase two, they definitely needed to make sure they go out and get a defender. Now you're telling me you're going to have a lineup of Tari Eason, Cam, and Jabari Smith Jr. out there? This defense, who has been what has been ranked at the bottom over the last three to four seasons, is finally going to take a step forward. I love this 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 acquisition of Cam. I know there was some reports in the middle of the draft that came out and said that, you know, there was some concerns about his health. I looked into his his health injury. Uh, he broke his leg as a freshman in high school, um, and then like. This past season, he had a couple injuries from like an eye injury to like a thumb injury. He broke his thumb and missed the first seven games of the season. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand there was some injury concerns and stuff. But in the words of Raphael Stone, I don't know what those other teams were thinking. I'm just happy he's with us. (laughs) (laughs) So, Cody, I will say this. Um, In my article that I wrote for Rockets Wire USA Today, I used two um, two people from the NFL who plays in the NFL right now. I used two examples of their, their draft day experiences. I started with Aaron Rodgers in 2005, who you know many believe that he, w- he should have went, uh, if I'm not mistaken, number one overall to the San Francisco 49ers, but they took uh, Alex Smith. Alex Smith. And then he ended up sitting in that green room and they kept panning to him and showing him in the, he was the last one in the green room until the green Bay Packers took him with the 24th pick. I think of that year. Mm-hmm. And all he did for them was win a super bowl and become a four time NFL MVP. Then you fast forward to 2018 Lamar Jackson. Everybody remembers you know, seeing the video and the pictures of Lamar Jackson sitting in the green room with his mom. And, you know, some had projected him, <clears throat> excuse me, some had projected him to go higher in the draft, especially coming off of, you know, the year before the year, uh, two years prior, he had won the Heisman Trophy. And then mm-hmm. the la- his last year at Louisville, he, you know, some would say he struggled a little bit, but he had some bad receivers, but they had him projected to go higher than he did. And if it wasn't for the former Baltimore Ravens general manager, Ozzie Newsom, talking with the ownership, with the Ravens ownership, saying, hey, I would like to trade, see if we can trade back up. Philadelphia Eagles seem like they're willing to trade. So let's see if we can trade back up, jump back into the first round. Because they had already made their first round pick uh, tight end at number 25, if I'm not mistaken. But they hopped back into first round got Lamar Jackson and then in 2019 Lamar Jackson became the NFL MVP I use those two examples because Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson as we both know are pretty much the same person with just different mindsets they both play with the chip on their shoulder Mm -hmm. as I was watching on Thursday night watching Cam Whitmore sit at that table and watching players that he felt that it was I'm not going to speak for him, but players that I felt he was better than going to these teams and he's steadily dropping. 
Once he got out of the top 10, I'm saying to myself, oh, he's definitely pissed. <laughs> oh, he, he has to be pissed. And then by the time you get to number 15, you could see you're looking at him. You're like, yeah, he looks very frustrated. And if I had to play the role of Cam Whitmore, I'm saying to myself, well, when am I going to get selected? And then he fell right into the laps of the Houston Rockets. So I, I, I preface all that to say that I like people who play with chips on their shoulders. I like mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers. I like Lamar Jackson. And I'm, I, I love what Cam Whitmore said last night. He's like, it, it 150% motivated me mm-hmm. to, to be better. And you remember Draymond Green from the Golden State Warriors. He can name, he went number 35 in 2012. And he can mm-hmm. name 34 people that went ahead of him. And so I like that he has this chip on his shoulder already because now he has something to prove. You and I covered a guy last season who felt that exact same way, who felt like he should have went number one, but he ended up going number three in Jabari Smith Jr. And Mm -hmm. he played with a chip on his shoulder last year. And I think that the chip got even bigger this year because Victor Wimbiamba went number one to the San Antonio Spurs and they're in the same division. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for that. (laughs) So, so you look at that. So Cam Whitmore, here's a guy who who you it's it's a project almost because he's still young. He's 18 years old mm-hmm. with the NBA body already. So you get him in some type of NBA shape, get his, help him develop a better three point shot. But he's a big guy, Cody, who can who can play defense. And I think that once he sees the way Jabari plays defense, the way Atari plays defense, he he's going to want to buy into that. And if you have a front court of them three in there at the same time, I mean, now you have a guy that's 6'11". Tari, last we checked, Tari was 6'8", but we haven't seen him lately. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have Cam Whitmore, who at right now is, what, 6'7"? At 18 he's years going old. to continue to grow. So by the time he gets, <laughs> you know, in two years, how big is he going to be with that two years of NBA development? So the Houston Rockets got lucky in the fact that they got a top 10 talent that fell to them at, at, at number 20. And I know that uh, Raphael Stone told us that, well, he should just be happy that he's in the NBA. And I'm saying to myself, well, it's easy for you to say because you're the general manager, but for that young man, Yes, he had his dreams fulfilled, but by the same token, you always want to be acknowledged and appreciated for what you bring to the table. And number 20, I don't think he feels that way. Hmm. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this latest installment of Believe in the Rockets. Um, I know we said in the last segment we're going to talk about free agency, but I actually want to digress. Let's save that topic for next week sometime. And because I want to look at this, you know, Raphael Stone, Owner Tillman Fatita, they are declaring that they are done with this phase one of the rebuild and they're ready to move into phase two. Um, they got new head coach, email Doka. We still team silence over here, but email Doka was a, a phenomenal hire. I must say, I do want to just look at if the Houston Rockets are ready to move into the phase two of their rebuild. I do want to one, give credit where credit is deserved. And two, and most importantly, 
just look back and just highlight how impressive it was for Raphael Stone and the Houston Rockets to rebuild this franchise and bring in the young talent that they had without a number one overall pick. Before moving on, I want you guys to just listen to what Raphael Stone had to say following the draft on Thursday. Hey, Mr. Stone, um, looking back on what you guys were able to do in 2021 and 2022 and tonight, how do you feel about the overall collection of talent you, you guys were able to get, especially without receiving a number one pick in neither one of these drafts? You know, I think um, the NBA has set up a system where, you know, the, I, the, the, screw that. The, the draft is by, you, you know, trying to predict how good people will be um, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years from now is really hard. Um, uh, the game is really hard. The lifestyle is really hard. Um, um, but um, I do think we've done um, overall a very good job of identifying talented guys, putting them in a position where where they could succeed. And, um, you know, and, and that's, that's my job is to, is to try and find people who have a chance to be really good in time. And it's not go all in on a single person and, and just, and if someone doesn't end up being the best player in the history of basketball, by no means, does that mean that I failed or they failed? And I, I, I think that, you know, what we're really trying to do is build a really good group that can win a championship as a team. It is a team game. Uh, you absolutely need talent. You need tons of it. Um, and, um, and you kind of need, you, you need a steady influx of it. And so, um, you know, I think um, I, again, I think, you know, we, we kind of perceive this summer as the end of stage one and, and, and a, probably the, the most important thing about stage one of our rebuilding process was to infuse the organization with talented young players. And, and I think we've, we've been able to do a good job of that. Without a number one overall pick, the Houston Rockets have came away with Jalen Green, Jabari Smith Jr. And Amin Thompson. Once again, Conflicted about the pick, but I got to respect this young man's talent. Midway throughout the drafts in 2021 and 2022 and 2023 as well, he has collected Alperin Shagun, Josh Christopher, Usman Garuba, Tari Eason, who had a similar um, stock falling uh, like Cam Whitmore, Tata Washington, and of course Whitmore. I just want to say kudos to Raphael Stone and the Rockets because they have their foundation to move forward with their rebuild. Yes, there are still some holes that this organization needs to fill. But Sarge, I just it, it just blows my mind and it, it kind of goes back to Nick Asirio as well. Like Say what you want about them as a general manager. Yes, both of them has made questionable moves in free agency. Both of them has made questionable trades. But the one thing you have to give both of these guys credit is their ability to scout and identify talent. <clears throat> because, Sarge, I don't know if you can show me another organization who could find a way to build and collect promising prospects three years in a row without a number one overall pick. And for those of you guys who might think that's a bold statement, take a look at the Charlotte Hornets. Take a look at the 
Sacramento Kings prior to, let's say, 2016. Great example. That, there has been so many teams in NBA history who we continuously say, how in the world are they still in the draft lottery? Because let's take the 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 the, the Charlotte Hornets, for example. They have basically been in the lottery forever. <laughs> and outside of LaMelo Ball, their next best draft prospect, especially in the lottery, well, let's say a number top 10 pick was Kimball Walker. Do you know the gap between Kimball Walker and LaMelo Ball and the <laughs> fact that they did not capitalize on that? And I remember one of my favorite moments with Coach Steven Silas. I believe this was the 2021-2022 season. And oh, was it the year with Victor? You know what? It was on Zoom. It was the COVID year, and this was right when they got Victor Oladipo. And remember, Victor Oladipo did have a lot of credibility yes. <laughs> coming into the draft. And Coach Steven Silas talked about how the Hornets – were I think they were still the Charlotte Bobcats at the time. I, I don't know. No, matter of fact, they, I think they had just went over to the to, to the Hornets because the New Orleans Hornets had just changed their name to the Pelicans at this time. Yes. But he talked about how Victor Wimby, not Victor Wimby, uh, Victor Oladipo crashed the draft workout with the Charlotte Hornets and everybody was high on him, including him. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> him saying, and you know who we picked with, I think the third or fourth overall pick? Cody Zeller. <laughs> so I say all that just to say that, yes, the last three years have been terrible for the Rockets at times. But you have to give Raphael Stone his credit because his ability to scout and identify talent. And it's not just, oh, we got the number two pick. Let's just go with Jalen Green or we got the number three pick. Let's go with Jabari Smith Jr. No, it's the fact that he went out there and made moves and traded for Alper and Shagun. He went out there and made moves and traded for Josh Christopher. He went out there and said, you know what? I'm going to make some more moves and get a Tata Washington and Atari Easton. It's the fact that which ended up being lucky for him. He sat there and waited for Cam Whitmore to yes. fall. Sarge, I just got to give kudos to this man. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> if you I, I wrote an article today in Rockets Wire USA today, and the title of it was Hyper Athletic Rockets in a Rebuild, Rebuilding Next Phase by Doubling Down on the Team Philosophy. And in that article, I talked about the three phases as well. And I said that <clears throat> phase one, and we all know what that was, you know, bringing in a new head coach after. Let's not revisit um, that. We know what phase, just say phase one. So it's like the Texans one. and Deshaun. We don't have to revisit the story. We know the story. <laughs> yeah, so phase one consisted of James Harden, Russell Westbrook leaving, <laughs> the architect of the long playoff runs and Daryl Morey, and then, mm -hmm. you know, the three years with, you know, our guy, Stephen Silas. And now they entered into phase two. And I said that even before the Rockets, you know, play one game, this season, they're already winning in phase two of this rebuild because it's only three phases. Mm -hmm. So they're winning in phase two so far by going out and hiring, you know, Emi Adoka, who led the Boston Celtics to the NBA finals in his, you know, one and only year as a head coach for the Boston Celtics. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Then you look at what they're doing as far as draft draft is concerned. And I think that, you know, they're going to get a pass because this is a weak free agency class. And so if they don't add, add any, you know, really good free agents, it, it won't be looked down or, or frowned upon because the free agency class isn't as strong as it has been in the past. But he, Raphael Stone won the draft, just like you said. He won the draft. And, you know, no matter what people may think about Ahmed Thompson, he he is uh he's very athletic. And, you know, he could, you know, <clears throat> you and I, we sit here and we discuss our opinions. We see, you know, multiple opinions on Twitter, but nobody's really going to know what he's going to be until he plays and until he gets under the the tutelage of Emi Adoka and his coaching staff. So mm-hmm. we don't know what he's going to be so of course everybody we, we're just projecting but you know to to get a athletic person like Ahmed Thompson and then to get another uh player in Cam Whitmore like they're winning they're already winning phase two and they haven't even played one game I don't know what the over and under for the Houston Rockets victories are this year but I will say that we should see a very, very competitive team. We should see a team that is ready to take that next level. And I'm, I, you know, I, I understand we're talking about since we're talking about, excuse me, since we're talking about phase two, I'm going to tell you where I think that the Rockets are really going to propel themselves in this phase. And Cody, before I even say that, though, how long do you think that this phase two window should be? That's the thing. I really don't know because phase three is supposed to be championship. Yeah. So all runs and championships. You're right. As of right now, I'm looking at who I consider the faces of this franchise. You know, emotions aside, I'm looking at Jalen Green and Jabari Smith Jr. And I'm expecting them to at least start making all-stars appearances, especially for Jalen Green. Well, we, we we are in twenty at least by twenty twenty five. So and once you start looking at all stars appearances and everything, I would say phase two should last no longer than three years. Okay, so I'll say three, three no more than five. If if they're still in phase two by year five, then they've lost and they're gonna have to tear this thing down and start all over again. I agree with that. And so, but going in, I mean, but now that the Houston Rockets are into phase two. The player that's going into year two is the player that I believe is going to lead this franchise. I know everybody loves Jalen Green. <laughs> I love Jalen Green. I think that, and that what I mean by I love Jalen Green, I love his talent and his potential on what he is going to be if he stays on this trajectory. But man, let me tell you something. <laughs> I already know you're going. Let me tell you something. Year two, Jabari Smith Jr. is going to be way different than year one, Jabari Smith Jr. And the one thing that I can say about that young man is he's very humble, but he's a dog. Hmm. I remember when we were in the locker room before, uh, after a game, and I think the Rockets may have won that game too. And so he was headed into 
the uh and, and to get ready to go take a shower before he did no he he wasn't even doing press uh that night he was on his way to take a shower and then he stopped and he turned around and he asked uh Josh Christopher and he asked KJ Martin if they needed towels hey y'all need some towels y'all need this that another because he was playing his he was doing his part as a rookie he knew he was a rookie and as mm -hmm. a rookie these are the things you got to do rook you got to <laughs> you know Succumb to what the vets want you to do if it's not something outlandish. But he played his part. He didn't get too loud in the locker room, but he wasn't passive either. They knew he was there. And they knew that he was a different type of rookie because he would voice and say what he had to say with respect to Eric Gordon when he was there at the time, with respect to Jayshon Tate, you know, in the locker room, respect to... You know, even Boban, Frank Kaminsky, Jalen Green, even though Jalen was one year, you know, just one year ahead of him. And well, Kevin Jr. according to Jalen, he was always oh, a real veteran. He told me that after his rookie year, talking about I never really felt like a rookie. I felt like I came into the NBA as a sophomore. Yeah, that man, that man, said, that man said I was a rookie with, he said I was a rookie with rookies. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but. Jabari Smith Jr. played his part. Year two? He ain't a rookie no more? He ain't that rookie label is gone? You So <laughs> you got to look at what they considered the source. Cody, you and I have had the honor and the pleasure to speak with Jabari Smith Sr. on multiple occasions. Oh, man. <laughs> Do you? The apple don't fall too far from the tree. And Jabari is that exact same way because of his mindset and his competitive nature. And he wants to win and he wants to win and he wants to talk trash. He wants mm -hmm. to win. He wants to, to let you know I'm here and I'm, I'm here and this is what I'm going to do. And because I don't remember who it was, what game it was where he hit some shot and he, 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 when he hit that first shot, he knew he was on and he had a great game. He was talking a whole bunch of trash, but when he was having bad nights, he had trash talk to him and he took it because mm -hmm. he understood. So as I digress, year two, phase two is going to be led by none other than Jabari Smith Jr. In my opinion. And that's where I feel out of all these draft picks that we discussed that uh, Raphael Stone went out and got, that was the best one. The Orlando Magic passing up on, because we knew that Oklahoma City was not going to take Jabari Smith Jr., even mm -hmm. though they tried to say, ah, no, 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 we knew it was all fluff. He really thought he was going to Orlando, which would have put Paulo Bancaro here. I don't think that Paulo would have been a, the fit that the Rockets need because I don't feel like Paulo has learned how to play on both ends of the court yet. Great offensively. Defensively, he can still be got. What Jabari is going to be, what I feel if he stays on this trajectory like we talked about Jalen Green, he's going to be the face and the leader of phase two. And Wait. Everything. And phase two, three, what? Three? <laughs> Five? <six. laughs> What is phase seven? Retirement Hall of Fame. The numbers in the Raptors. Right, right, right. Oh, uh, but you know, and everything that you just said, you know, and 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 look, there's so many, and like 
that conversation that you just had, that you and I just had, you know, the fact that I say Jalen and Jabari, you say Jabari. There's some people that's going to say LP and, and Jabari. There's some people that's going to say LP and Jalen. There's some people that are going to say all three. There's some people that are going to say all three and Tari Eason. At the end of the day, Stone and his management team was able to put all of this together without a number one pick. Um, and, and, and hold on, and you, we also got to give uh, a shout out to Tilma Fertitta because I mean, oh, yeah, after I, those three disastrous years uh, of the Rockets, he could have fired uh, Rafael Stone and not given him the opportunity and chance to be able to, you know, continue continue into phase two. He could have had a new coach and a new general manager in phase two. Well, side note, I do, I'm glad that you mentioned him because I'm not gonna lie, that does get lost in the shuffle to me, but for him to. I remember at the introductory press conference for Coach Email Doka, and he was talking about how hard it was for him. Because remember, he walked into a championship team. If it wasn't for a hamstring in a lot of people's eyes, they would have definitely bought another Larry O'Brien trophy into that building. Um, I just want to also give him kudos, like you said, because I know it was hard for him to accept the fact that that run was over yeah. and for them to, you know, whether you agree with the rebuild or not um, for him to really just swallow his pride and sit back and really just say, you know what, let's lay this out in phase one, two, and three, you know, not too many owners would have done that, especially a new owner like that. I mean, you seen what the Phoenix Suns owner, <laughs> new owner is doing and, Look, I mean, I get it. I understand, you know, there's a championship window, but it's just like, I, I, I don't, I don't understand that trade with the whole Bradley Beal thing. Like, I would have just ran it back with the team that you just have and traded um, DeAndre Ayton out because you're still going to have a chemistry problem with him. But that's another story for another day. Cody, wait, hold on. They ain't in the the Phoenix Suns ain't in the championship window. They ain't in the championship house. They ain't on the championship porch. Hell, they ain't on. <laughs> they ain't even on the championship street. <laughs> but I know we'll talk about that another time. But yeah. they ain't. Uh, they ain't on none of that. They, they they are not on none of that. But you know, I like it. Like you mentioned, man, and that was a great point. Like there's so many owners, i.e., like. The two or three Brooklyn, every time the Brooklyn Nets get a new ownership, they want to just throw away everything for a quick championship. No, Timothy Fatina did the opposite. He came into a championship ready made team. He almost had it, but it was just like, I do like the fact how he swallowed his pride and say, you know what? Let's start this from scratch. Let's not try to do this and let's just go through the gauntlet of the rebuild. And, you know, they have done some good. They've done some bad. They've done some things I agree with. They've done some things I didn't agree with. But at the end of the day, at least from that standpoint, I'm hoping that it all pays out for them in the long run. That concludes this latest installment of Believe in the Rockets, only on the Believe Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Credential Media Member for Sports Illustrated, Cody M. Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And I am credential media member for Rockets Wire USA Today, Brian Bearfield, a.k.a. Big Sarge. Make sure you're following me at Big Sarge Sports with a Z at the end on Twitter and read all my articles over at Rockets Wire USA Today. Look, I don't know why I had to feel the need that I had to sit up, but when, you know, when I heard you say credential media member, I was like, well, wait a minute now. 
I mean, you know, I I'm mean, PCB too. All I'm gonna say is this: credentials build builds credibility. If you don't have any credentials, it's sure hard to have some type of credibility. <laughs> pow, pow, pow. All right, goodbye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.